for it. It's all for one, and it's one for all. Let's go. The time that we all been waiting on The moment all the naysayers been hating on See they been talking down on us and flexing It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan A lot of teams talking right, guys, tough and can't to back it up But not the boys on Kirby so you can pack it up As usual by my friend and co-host John Wade the Garnet Texan And John, we are blessed yet again to have Rivers McCown on with us this week to discuss all things free agency, how it affects them in the draft, um, and a couple other topics I really wanted to get Rivers McCown's um, input on. I think there's a lot of things going on. And then there was there was a lot of news today, which is just kind of shocking, John. I, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I definitely, when I was writing the agenda today, didn't anticipate to add um, Andre Hall retiring. Yeah, that was kind of out of nowhere, especially when he said it wasn't for health. I don't think the team expected that, uh, but yeah. hey, I mean, we've talked about it before in the NFL, especially they've got to really have the want to do it. And once that want's gone, they probably should get out. Sure. Yeah. So I think we'll start there. Um, Rivers, what are your thoughts on Andre Hall retiring? Not necessarily the reasoning, but the effect it has on the team now. Well, I mean, they, they definitely had a very solid uh, three safety tandem. Uh, kind of giving them the ability to do a lot of dime stuff they wanted to uh, bring down uh, our new Jaguars safety to Sean Gibson into the box and do stuff with him there. But uh, now without how I think that kind of falls apart a little bit. I think you're looking at uh, a team that has lost a little versatility, a team that is, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to say they got to prioritize it, but maybe something where they look in the, the free agent leftovers and try to pick up the, the next Quentin Dimps or something like that. Yeah. It's funny because last season coming into the off season, or going into the off season, me and John kept screaming safety is like the biggest position need. And then entering the season, it, it's like, okay, well, Justin Reed's a player. Kareem's at safety now. And then Tyron Matthew, he he's hit or miss, but when he's playing really well, he's playing well. It was one of our strongest positions. And then here we are again. And it's almost as if, the position group itself is not necessarily back to square one because you have a cornerstone at safety with Justin Reed. At least I believe that he's a cornerstone in the back end of the defense. But um, do you th- do you guys think that it would change their approach on Tyron Matthew in free agency? Uh, John, I'll start with you. Do you think that they would have been a little more aggressive on the contract offer? Um, I hope not. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, and I'm – I'm not as much of a hater on Tyron as you are. Like I, is it I don't hate think you can even, or is it facts? Dude, dude, you can't even say his name without visible disgust, like oozing out of your pores right now. Yeah. So I don't think it would have changed anything. I think we might've been more aggressive at going to get another safety. Maybe, maybe it would have, um, they would have been more aggressive of cream. Uh, but just with what how no aggress- aggression yeah. towards cream or you know, communication. Yeah, maybe a little bit of communication. Because honestly, what Hal did wasn't really comparable to what the Honey Badger 
did. Right. Yeah. Rivers, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you think that it would have changed the approach to the free agency with the elite guys and then also Honey Badger and Kareem? Do you think there would have been a, a change in mindset had they known prior to? No, I think the Texans pretty much knew what they were doing when they got into free agency. I think they had the dollar figures lined up for pretty much everybody, and I think they're an organization that doesn't really go very much beyond that. Um, I mean, I guess like 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 John said, maybe there was some, maybe there's more consideration to bring back Kareem, but I mean that contract he got from Denver is pretty good too. I mean, it's not like it would have been, uh, well, we'll give you five million to stay, sort of thing that would have worked out. So uh, yeah. probably wouldn't have changed a whole lot. Yeah, but he did say Kareem has has said since that he would have he would have taken less money to sign with us. So I I, I do. I do wonder if maybe an 8.5, because what do you end up getting? Like, it was like 10 a year, nine and a half? Yeah, but that's pretty common for players to say. I mean, I don't know. You seem yeah, pretty burned. It's, 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 it's good publicity for him to say, but, I mean, we don't know. We really don't know. True. So, and that Denver contract, I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And he's only got a couple of years to make money. We've talked before how we're usually on the player's side. When it comes to contracts, even when we don't want to be. Yeah. So with Kareem, I, he still probably would have left, but they had at least given him an offer. Yeah. Uh, Rivers, we haven't. So we talked prior to free agency and uh, we we talked about Tyron Matthew a little bit. Me and you were pretty much very similar on what we thought of his play. Inconsistent at times, you know, OK at times. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of him, his departure and do you think that it, that will feel him leaving? Do you think the effect of him leaving will be felt, or do you think that with Gibson that we'll we'll pretty much be able to kind of pick off pick up where we left off? I don't think Gibson is a major downgrade. Um, I think he replaces probably ninety percent of what Honey Badger does. The thing that the thing that they will miss with uh, with Tyron is kind of the locker room stuff, the leadership ability the kind of uh, person that's going to kind of will his teammates out of an 0-3, like happened at the beginning of this year. Um, you know, Tyron, Tyron is extremely versatile. I think the way that the Jaguars used Gibson was not really in that ballpark at all because they had to kind of compensate for how their other safety, who I'm blanking on at the moment, uh, the Barry Church, was kind of not very good at coverage, not very good at doing much besides being a deep safety. So they kind of didn't really get a whole lot of uh, a whole lot out of Gibson in the same vein of uh, of what we got out of Tyron, but I think he has the ability to do that. Yeah, and he also has the ability to cover the tight end, which uh, Tyron Matthew is not capable of doing, um, which is a big piece of what this team needs right now. So, um, cool. All right, so going through free agency. Uh, John and I, obviously, with not a ton of news, have have done a lot of um, talk, talk about this free agent class. I, I'm wondering if we should start with your thoughts on Matt Khalil, which I, I, I love. And I'm sure you don't want to spend too much time talking on. Or uh, if we should start somewhere else. If you had a choice on where we have, started. Where have you we... read what Rivers wrote? I have. No, I, mean, he, I, I have. He, he kind of has Khalil kind of where you have. Matthew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But I also think that I think when you put an article in words, I don't think it always comes across um, when you uh, the same way as it is when you speak it. Um, so I thought getting Rivers take on Matt would be 
I, I think it would maybe put a little bit more of a perspective on on the article, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, River, what, what is what are your thoughts? So okay, I, I think I think Matt Khalil in a vacuum is is an idea, <laughs> a good idea maybe. Um, you know, he he's he definitely has the talent to be the kind of player that would uh, be around to spell uh, Julian Davenport in the event that Davenport doesn't really develop which I think was something that was, you know, they were kind of looking in that box. You know, when you're an NFL team, you make a lot of uh, physical height weight uh, boxes and are like, well, this guy can can be in this box. And yeah, so Khalil fits that box. However, uh, the play that I saw was uh, so, uh, sorely lacking. And, and it mostly comes down to, I think, you know, he wasn't very healthy. I don't think he, he had the ability to, actually uh you know take that kick step and make it work so you know i mean it, it could it could be a thing where you know he it works out i would actually if if you gave me money to bet on this i would bet that he does not make the uh the 53 at the start of the season i think he's a little too banged up i think this is a little bit too much of a comeback for him but uh you know hopefully it works out hopefully it goes better than you know what i scouted on tape yeah so i guess my thought is in in Minnesota, he was he was above average. Uh, he made a Pro Bowl, but in a league where there aren't a ton of tackles, it's I, I don't think it's I don't think a Pro Bowl tackle is as significant as a Pro Bowl wide receiver. Um, would you guys agree that that's like a fair assessment? I guess I would say it doesn't deeply matter i mean pro bowls don't really sway me to begin with but no 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 i'm just saying i think it's i think it's easier to recognize a wide receiver's talent when there's 15 to choose from that are really freaking good and then there's like six tackles that are are good to choose from and you pick one does that make sense yeah but at the same time i think the way that the wide receivers work for pro bowl it, it kind of rewards uh, best season, best story, rather than perhaps best talent. Agreed. Okay. Uh, and with Khalil, I think he was deserving of his Pro Bowl nod. I think he played very well in his rookie season, but it's become one of those things where the injuries have kind of compounded on each other, and you know now he's, you know, it's not for long for a reason in the NFL, and you know Khalil's just trying to fight his way back onto the field. Yeah. Um, I also read your article about Julian Davenport. Now, I, I would say that that also wasn't too friendly, but I also think it's a dead dead on from what we saw, what we've seen from Julian Davenport. How much of an impact do you think is what was made last year with him switching from left to right and then back to left? I mean, I don't think it. Uh, I don't think it matters quite as much as uh, Mr. Matt Weston does over at Battle Red Blog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm. I'm not that that deep into the boat i do think it it when he play his play in new england was really poor i do think he got kind of caught off guard by the by what happened there but uh after that i would say it's more just a matter of uh his own uh traits working against them i mean you know he's <laughs> he, he he simply could not you know play with his hands at all for the entire season and that's something that no matter how good you are physically, you, you can't really do that at the NFL level and expect to not give up a bunch of pressures and sacks. Yeah, and, and I guess my, my question is, and John, to chime in, but I, considering that Mike Devlin is still the O-line coach, 
Has there been a player that has developed on the line under Mike Devlin? I mean, Kendall Lamb actually got a second contract. So well, that's true. And Kendall, I I, I thought Kendall Lamb actually at times was okay last year, considering what he was the year before. Um, Rivers, is there a player in your mind that come that that comes to the top of your mind that Mike Devlin has developed and you can say is a good offensive lineman? Um, actually, I probably the best argument would be Greg Manx, but uh, I, I mean, I'm not on that boat. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that there's anybody who uh, Mike Devlin has done a, like a superb job with and has been, you know, raised expectations anywhere. Um, I'm, I'm kind of just sitting looking at uh, Nick Barton being like, well, what happened with this dude? <laughs> yeah, no. And that, so that brings, that's like my next, like Nick Martin should be, there should be no question that he is our center moving forward, but I feel like there is a question of him being our center moving forward. I mean, he was just as inconsistent as most, our best lineman last year was Zach Fulton. I think we can all agree. Well, I mean, best Texans lineman is, is what is that? One of those prettiest girl in Oklahoma things. <laughs> right, right, right. How pretty is that pig with makeup on it? No, I, I, I agree 100%. Um, but that's what I'm saying. So, like, Nick Martin was taken in the second round. Now he's battled injuries, but he played, you know, he was healthy all last year. Do you think that there's a chance that they will look to upgrade that position in the draft? Center? No. You don't think chance. so at all? I think they are fully committed to Nick Martin. I think that they believe in Nick Martin. Whether they should, that's a different question. But, uh, you know, everything that I've seen, everything, everybody that I've talked to near them has pretty much told me, you know, when, and even, you know, I scoped the stuff out when I was thinking about, you know, maybe pursuing Matt Paradis in free agency. And, you know, I, I kind of figured talking to everybody that it was uh, somewhat, somewhat of a lost cause on that, on, on that, uh, on that front. But, uh, no, they they love Martin. They think he's going to be good. Hmm. Well, that just ruins my draft plans. I really wanted them to draft Dalton Reisner. I still could happen. Still could happen as a right tackle. He um, he would be a guard though. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I do not think that they're looking to replace Nick Martin in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Well, that that dream's shot. Okay. Um. All right. So hey, we totally went on a tangent. Hey, there. could I kind of interject a little bit on that? Yeah. Since we brought up Nick Martin, uh, what do you think has gone wrong with him? It's other than injuries, of course, cutting his first two seasons down quite a bit, but he's just not really taken that that step forward, even when he got to play. So uh, the, 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 one of the main reasons I wanted to bring in Paradis was not only because I think that he's a really good player, but also because I think Nick Martin would be better at guard. I think he's kind of overthinking things. I think it's really hard for him to uh, to combo block off the snap uh, the way it would be for uh, for some players, some centers. Um, you know, he's obviously got the speed and agility. I think you just need to kind of lighten his mental load and just tell him to go get somebody. And uh, the Texans, I think, you know, they want to develop him. They want to. They want to. You know, what's a good comparison to this? It's kind of like Deshaun Watson with the, the pocket passing thing versus the. Uh, read action uh, run stuff it's 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 something where you know they want for the for the, the the betterment of the future for this guy to be really good and i don't know if he's going to get there or not interesting yeah so i've been saying that they should move martin to guard and 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 get find a center just because and i i thought matt paradise would have been 
the the perfect. I I felt like he could have solved more problems on the offensive line than any other free agent or draft draftee that we could have added. Um, I I think you're right. If we can give Nick basically simplify it for for Martin and say, hey, here here's what you do. You don't need to worry about protection. You, you know, you don't need to worry about snapping the ball. Um, here, here's what you have to do. I feel like it would be better off for him, better for him, but since you're telling me that there's no chance of that happening, um, I don't believe that'll be the case. Um, all right. So looking at the offensive line and, and what we did in free agency, what are your thoughts on Darren Fells and how much of an impact do you think it'll be having a tight end that is capable of blocking, um, to help Deshaun? So Darren Fells um, is kind of an interesting pickup because I think in an ideal world, you create your own Darren Fells. You don't need to go sign one. Um, that being said, as far as what the Texans had, I think he is a big upgrade in, in pass blocking. I'm not really sold on his run blocking at all. I think he's a little bit uh, worse off when he's trying to push forward. I think he gets overextended sometimes with his hands and, and then he just loses. But uh, as far as pass blocking, I think he's a good fit. I think, you know, maybe somebody who can actually help out on the right side a little bit. Um, I'm not sure how the Texans are going to divvy that playing time yet, but I I would imagine that uh, Fells would be a pretty good uh, block and release guy. And I would imagine that uh, Ryan Griffin would suffer the worst for it. Yeah. And and based on the tape and based on last year, a lot of the plays that were coming from uh, the edge, a lot of it was on the tight ends, whether it be Ryan Griffin, Jordan Thomas, or Jordan Akins. Do you think that Darren Fells in pass blocking, given that let's say they don't address the tackle position in the draft, which we'll get to because I know you have thoughts on that. Do you think that that is, if Davenport just gets a little better and Henderson is the player that they think he is and the addition of Fells, do you think that the line can be average at best? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think that will be enough, and that's part of the reason why I wrote that big uh, kind of manifesto about how I thought losing Roger Saffold was the key to that offseason and was kind of a crushing blow for anybody who wanted them to compete this year. Um, you know, you're asking for improvement pretty much up and down the board, and the only person who I see on that line who I look at and I'm like, wow, I can, really can project some improvement on this guy is moving Martinez Rankin to guard. Everybody else up and down, I'm just like, well. You know, it could happen, but we'll see. Or, you know, he, he he could repeat this season, but I'm not really sure. And, yeah, I just want a more for sure thing there. So, uh, if I'm hearing you right, so if it's Davenport, Rankins, Martin, Fulton, and Henderson, and then the addition of Fells, you think that the line will be just a little bit better than what it was last year, but still not enough to really make an impact? Yeah, I think you're. I think with that kind of line, you're aiming for like the 25th best line in the league. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, any chances of a fullback coming back this season? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I guess you can never say never. Um, you know, maybe they watch the end of the uh, Patriots training Super Bowl and look at what Bill Belichick did and with uh, Devlin. fullback at the very end there and be like, well, you know, I guess I guess that could work for us, but I, I kind of doubt it. Yeah, so that's kind of what we've been talking about was bringing a fullback back, but like a Kyle Juszczyk or a Mike Devlin or an Anthony Sherman, one who can block, but one that can also be used in the passing game um, to kind of help out in all sorts of facets of the game. Uh, I think would that and then Fells 
and then the move of Rankins to left guard. I don't know. I, I feel like the, the real unknown is Central Henderson. Well, you know, going back to your fullback thing real quick, sorry. Um, I I do think that there is a free agent running back out there that could kind of fill that role, and that guy is Spencer Ware, who I think he's, he's shown a lot of power. I think he can block really well. I'm a big fan of him in the passing game as well. And, and I think if you put him at fullback, you kind of open up some options, like kind of what the Texans tried to do with uh, Nowhere and Blue last year when they both were on the field at the same time, hmm. except it didn't really work out because Alfred Blue is um, not that good. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as as far as Henderson goes, I mean, look, we're talking about a guy who's played, you know, st- started like two games in three years at this point. Um, I'm not getting my hopes up for a massive improvement. Um, I do think he can be a little bit better than Kendall Lamb was last year, but I, I don't think that's a position where I'm like, you know, I don't think you're going to find – you know, top 10 right tackle value out of, out of uh, that contract. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we spent a lot about the offensive line. Um, as far as I'm trying to think of the other free agents guy, we've talked about him so much. I mean, Eric uh, J McCarron, I don't think we really need to speak about um, who else am I missing? I mean, there, there really wasn't much else, right? I know Gibson. I know you like Gibson. We talked about that. Oh, Bradley Roby. That's right. Bradley Roby. You're not a fan of him either. So, okay. The the thing, and people have, who have, I, I wrote an article about Bradley Roby yes. the last couple of seasons. People Rivers, who have, I just want to kind of forewarn you on this. You may want to choose your words carefully. Oh, stop. Uh, this is kind of young. This is kind of James's guy. So, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't, I, I want to have a conversation because I, I don't, I don't scout for a living and I don't watch a ton of tape. I, I do watch players and, I think Bradley. This let me let me preface it by what I think Bradley Roby brings. I think Brad, Bradley. Dude, he's your he's your cornerback crush right now. He, I mean, you're he, hoping for a lot here. I call. I, I understand, but I want to preface it properly so that people can kind of understand what my thoughts are and where where they come from. Um, I think Bradley Roby brings <clears throat> a dynamic to quarter uh, to the cornerback position that we've missed um, since we initially signed Jonathan Joseph, and I guess maybe the season of AJ Bouye. I think he brings speed. He ran a four three six, I think, at at the combine. Um, he 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 does decently well in man, but at times he's been beat. His at least last season he was beat quite a bit. Um, and I remember reading your article, and I forgot exactly who it was. It was the second I, I, the second string tight end for the Cowboys that you made sure that uh, everybody <laughs> noticed that uh, Roby missed on the. Um, Oh God, I forgot the route that they ran. It was basically an out uh, to the sideline, and you 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 pointed out that he basically got beat by that tight end. Um, but what I think what I think Bradley Roby brings is as a, a uh, the ability to be able to play man. He's fast. Um, if he can put it all together, that, that's what it, that's what it boils down to for me. If he can put everything together based on what he has athletically. Um, I think he could be a good signing for us, and I think the potential is there for him to be a solid corner. But based on the tape and some of the moments he's had, he hasn't shown that he can do that on a consistent basis. Now, I don't know if a lot of that was Denver or you know, if he has an opportunity to do that here, but I like the signing, and I'm hoping it works out, but who knows? Does that make sense? Sure, it makes sense. So, okay, so the tight end uh, tape that was actually Gibson, by the way. Oh, that was okay. that was that was from the Gibson article. Yeah, uh, Roby himself. Okay, so 
preface this by saying I, I looked at the last two years of this charting. Uh, I kind of picked out uh, where Sports Info Solutions had them lined up as far as uh, coverage. Um, you know, sometimes you watch those things and you're like, well, I don't know. I think you've mattered on this play. I think that was kind of a poor chart. But for the most part, spot on, you know, 80% or so. Um, I think that Roby's earlier years, and this is something that was brought up to me after I wrote the article, uh, under Wade Phillips were a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more in the mold of what maybe you're hoping for. Okay. Um, I, I don't think that what I saw the last couple of years would fill me with a whole lot of optimism. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I went over all that stuff, obviously, as well in the article. But uh, the main thing that stuck out to me between watching Roby and watching uh, Brian Body Calhoun, who they also signed. That's right. Is, is I think the reason that the team pursued both of those guys is not to change styles. I think they looked at what those guys did in the style that they already play, and they were like, oh, this guy can come downhill and wreck somebody on, on his own on his own corner route. And I think that's exactly what they're trying to replicate, and that's what scares me. That's what scares me a lot about those guys because I don't think they're good fits for that. And, and the based on what we've seen they're not good fits for that but would you agree that from a man from a man to man coverage perspective that Bradley Roby brings a pretty good dynamic in that front I I think it really depends on things that we're not going to know until the Texans roll him out there okay like I I look at his play on slants and his play on slants scares me I would not want any part of that as your main man slant guy because he got wrecked up and down the field, sometimes even without getting a hand on somebody. Um, at the same time, I don't know the Denver defensive playbook. I don't know if maybe Roby has a better move than that that was you know, on the Wade Phillips tape that I didn't really watch. So, I mean, if you want to really hang your hat on optimism, I think that's kind of where you go back to is, well, you know, in 2015, he was, he was a lot better. And then also, he, we know he's got the physical uh, traits to hold up as an outside cornerback. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Brian Body Body Bolt got Brian Calhoun. Um, what are your thoughts on him as a as a free agent addition? Is it pretty much the same, based on the the fit and what you saw on tape? Yeah, I think what they saw that they liked of him is uh, you know he had a couple zone plays where he just went right downhill. I think with Hal's retirement, that Body Calhoun actually might slide in and be that safety. Uh, he did have some pretty decent safety snaps, including one that I highlighted yep. in an article about him where uh, he slid onto Mike Evans and did a pretty good job. Uh, he's another one of those guys, though, where if uh, somebody gets past him downfield, it's over. He needs to keep the plays in front of him no matter what. Sounds like Kareem Jackson. Well, if Kareem Jackson weighed like 150 pounds, well, sure. then yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> talking about, I mean, that was the only way Kareem was any good, um, was keeping the ball in front of him. Um all right, so tell me what you expect f- the cornerback position to look like bes- besides the draft. I mean, if, if we were to start a game tomorrow, <clears throat> would J.J. still be your top corner? I mean, it, it, it kind of goes without saying that it doesn't really matter very much to me. Um, you know, whoever whoever's outside is outside. Whoever's inside is inside. J.J. is going to be outside. Uh, Bradley Grubby is going to be outside. Inside, I guess you got uh, – I guess you got body got home at this point. Oh, okay. Hmm. And do you think JJ lost a lost a step completely, or do you still think he's a capable corner? 
Again, it's about the situation you put him in. If you let him read defenses from zone, he's pretty good. I mean, he's his instincts are still top-notch. Yep. He can still break on a ball really well. The question is just how he holds up a man-to-man coverage. And as we've seen over and over again, when he gets mashed on T.Y. Hilton, yeah. he doesn't have that extra gear anymore. So it's really a matter of you know finding a good matchup for him as well as keeping him out of those situations where he gets exposed like that. And I was really hoping the Texans would bring in a corner that could uh, force some of those good matchups. And I'm kind of like, well, Roby's got the physical profile to do it, but I don't know if he's got the play to do it anymore. So ideally in free agency, was Ronald Darby like the guy that you wanted? Uh, Darby was Darby was a good fit, yeah. Um, I, I also like Morris Claiborne, who's still unsigned, by the way. Yeah, I know. Um, who I, I think that gives them some speed, some press man. I know he's not the technician that Joseph is. I know he didn't have a lot of good zone snaps, but uh, I think he gives them something different. And I think the Texans don't really think they need that much different. And that's something that on an organizational level, I get it. But uh, at the same time, we see what happens when you when you drag three zone cornerbacks into the playoffs and are, tell them to beat Andrew Luck. Yeah. You'll never do it. Um, okay. Uh, cool. Um, all right, let's get to uh, – so, Rivers, did you see the uh, interest in Duke Johnson? Do you put any uh, stock into that? I'm, I'm happy to see it, actually. Uh, I, I really don't – because, you know, we haven't really seen a lot of how Brian Gain operates yet. He's still pretty new at this job. Uh, I'm be, I was beginning to worry, uh, and, and I guess I, I should point out that this goes back to um, – who was it? The the Raiders traded some offensive linemen to the Jets. Uh, Osemoy. Yeah. I really wanted the Texans to be in on a move like that. I thought that was a great fit for their profile. He's a great and, guard. And and uh, you know I, I was worried when that was when that when that kind of like got left on the board. I was like, well, is Gain really pursuing these trades? Is that is is this organization not really creative enough to do that right now? Is is it something where they were worried about a medical? I don't know. I'm, I'm, my heart is very happy that they're actually, you know, at least expressing interest outwardly, even if it isn't going to go anywhere. Uh, I think Duke Johnson's an amazing running back. I think the Texans would be way better off with him. And I, I would even say he's better than Lamar Miller, like right away or off the bat. But uh, uh, again, we'll see what happens there. It's not a, it's not like a great running back contract, but it's still solid enough. And the Texans have plenty of cap space. Yeah. Um, John, what are your thoughts on Duke Johnson? I know that we've talked about him in the past. Um, what are your thoughts on the Texans being interested in Duke Johnson? I, I'm actually a big fan of Duke Johnson. Uh, we have talked about it in the past. Uh, he is a running back that actually gives us a receiving option out of the backfield. Um, he's a, if you look at like this, the stats guys and the final fantasy or not the final fantasy, the, uh, fantasy football guys, um, Duke Johnson is Parentally, one of the more underused players in their in their opinion. Like, if you just look at metrics, he's up there with players that are much more productive. And naturally, that might have been just being in Cleveland when he was in Cleveland. And yeah, he's just he's usually what I think we would look for in a running back. But we've finally got out from under from Alfred Blue, so something tells me that they're not going to pursue him as as hard as we would hope they would because he's I can almost see the conversation of them seeing that he's comparable to Lamar Miller where I think he's better than Lamar Miller 
and they're going to look for somebody that is more along the same skill set as blue that can play special teams. <laughs> which is likely what they'll do, um, which is unfortunate because it, it seems like we never have an, like every chance we have to upgrade at a position, we, we tend to um, overlook it and we want to develop our own. But yet, given our track record, uh, at least since Bill O'Brien's been here, there hasn't been a ton of de- development. If I may, real quick, yeah. I think uh, I think Dujata fits really well in Final Fantasy VIII. I think, <laughs> I, I think nine, a little bit of a stretch, but eight. I think you know he's he's kind of you know coming off that contract. He got replaced a couple times in Cleveland. He's got some reason to mope around. I think he's a good eight character. <laughs> For anybody that doesn't understand that reference, Final Fantasy is an uh, RPG that is probably one of the more. Um, I would say it's probably the most popular RPG of all time, but. Uh, orig- yeah, originally launched in 1986 on the Nintendo. <laughs> Look at you pulling that that knowledge out. And then on top of that, eight's kind of the more emo one. Like you've got to be a little, little sad face. Um, so I actually have a lot of experience with Final Fantasy. I don't know if you guys know, but uh, I had uh, the world record in speed running Final Fantasy IV. <laughs> so that's something that I have a lot of uh, interesting uh, of tidbit. About. Okay, yeah. so do you play do you play games still to this day? Yeah. What are you like? What are you playing right now? I'm playing Division Two. <laughs> Division. No, I, I'm I'm still playing the old stuff. I'm playing Super Nintendo games. Oh. Um, we actually made a randomizer. I don't know if you guys know what that is though. Well, I'm this playing. Might, I'm playing. A discussion. No, I'm I'm playing Zelda uh, Adventures of Link on my Switch for with the uh, Nintendo Monthly Pass. Okay, so let's talk about Zelda, Zelda for a second. Okay. So if you switched uh, every, if every time you played Zelda, the treasure chests were something different, that's kind of the concept of a randomizer. Mm. Uh, it, it kind of brings some fresh life into a game, and I helped co-create one of those games for uh, Final Fantasy IV, and we've been playing a lot of that lately. Wow. Interesting. God. We learned something completely out of the blue, all based on another one of John's random screw-ups on words. John. <laughs> this time it worked out like it wasn't an awkward pause for 10 minutes instead of we actually got some like good information out of it hey it's what i'm here for i appreciate it i appreciate it. that's really cool though rivers that's that's really cool so okay well we could talk about that offline because i'm pretty sure if we continue down that path uh, which i can do for a while um <laughs> that uh we'll lose some listeners so <laughs> um all right so we talked about uh duke johnson i i think it, i think it should happen it, what okay let's so let's all put our predictions one do we think it happens and two if we do think it happens what do we think the uh compensation will be i'll say i don't think it happens but if we were to do it i think it would be a six round pick I'll say also, I, I would also bet against it happening, and I would say a fourth-round pick. Oh, okay. John? Seeing as how I was going to say fourth, I guess I'll just split the middle and go for fifth. Um, I, It's one of those moves that the more I think about it, the more I want it to happen, which means it will not happen. Yeah. No. It, it, it likely won't happen. But the, the, good, the good thing that we do have going is that he wants out. Um. And I know that Philadelphia is involved, which is insane to me, but they, this is what they do the last three years under Doug Peterson, even though they just got Jordan Howard. And then the other one is the Jets, and I don't see them giving up uh, decent draft compensation considering they just signed uh, Le'Veon Bell. So I think that there's a chance it happens. Could you imagine how scary the Eagles' backfield is with Duke Johnson and 
Jordan. It doesn't actually matter. Jordan now. <laughs> yeah, it would be just like I mean, it would be just like um, it was with uh, Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard. Yeah, I mean, I think that the coaching staff on the Eagles would actually take advantage of Duke, Duke Johnson. So yeah, that that makes way too much sense for it not to happen, and too much sense for me getting my heart crushed. So yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I want. I, I, I kind of want to. Uh, this isn't on here, so if I'm throwing you off, let me know. But. Uh, Rivers, I want to get your understanding of based on we're almost we haven't gotten to the draft yet, but what we've seen from Brian Gaines so far, what are your thoughts on his approach and how do you think that he is going about his business? Because I think a lot of Texans fans really are kind of at a loss. I think that they they they're going off of last year's draft, which was a phenomenal draft so far. And we still have another you know couple of years to really determine how good of a draft it was. But free agency you know we signed Tyron Matthew last year then we let him go this year we let Kareem go without even talking to him uh we haven't made a ton of splashes or addressed positions of need if you were to do a 60 second elevator pitch on Brian Gaines time how would you explain it to somebody a 60 second elevator pitch on how to describe it doesn't really have to be 60 seconds it could be however long you want I just (laughs) wanted to give you like a a number no no I'm I'm trying I'm trying to now, in a world <laughs> where Brian Gaines, the general manager, the Houston Texans have Deshaun Watson but refuse to spend in free agency. Why? <laughs> that is the question. Like, I geez, mean, that's really the question, Christ. though. That is the question. Like, like I, I, under- I understand trying to, to build up draft picks and all that. Like, they're trying to create this foundation to continue to go and to be able to afford that foundation even after Deshaun right. is off his rookie deal. But at this point, even the one-year deals that he's all in love with, he spends some money. Yeah, that was the that was that was another reason I was uh, baffled by the Saffold uh, foldover because by the time Deshaun Watson's off his rookie deal, uh, all the guaranteed money that contract is gone anyway. So I mean, you look at things like that, you look at how reticent they've been, and really to me, what it points to is if Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien aren't really going to be aggressive in extending their own guys. I mean, that that's it's it's a real misstep. Um, but you know, there's still time. We could still see the the Clowney extension come. We could still see, you know, like an early Will Fuller extension or something. But other than that, like I am I, I'm really at a loss for what they're doing with uh, both free agency and I know they want to read both to the draft and all that stuff. And that's nice, you know, that works for teams too sometimes. But uh, those teams usually have a lot of talent in place already. And that's kind of where the Texans are lacking. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those that, I mean, the Texans have a guy, uh, the, what's his name? The assistant GM that is the contract guru. So if we believe everything that has come out in every rumor, it's like Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien are actually looking at players. We want them to look at, but they're not actually signing. They're not paying. So I, I wonder if it's just who I can't, why can't I think of his name? Um, the guy that got us out of cap hell and he's been with us ever since. Um, but he obviously has way more pool than we're giving him credit for. Yeah. I think, I think rivers really touched on though, like with Will Fuller. Um, I'm wondering how much of next, next off season is playing a part into this off season. Um, you know, we, we're going to have to extend Will Fuller next year. DJ reader likely next year. Um, trying to think if there's somebody else i think those are the final two 
Um, I'm wondering how much that's playing a part into why they're not spending money. Um, is that they're just they're leaving it basically in the bank to where they can cut a check when they need to cut a check. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we don't really know from the outside very well. Um, you know, talking to people about it, trying to get some sense of the landscape. Um, I think the Texans, uh, I, I think they really, you know, were kind of hoping that they'd have the cloudy situation wrapped up and maybe that kind of plays a part in it. Hmm. But uh, unfortunately, not to be. Uh, and, you know, what happened on the free agency market, I think kind of jolted expectations a little bit on both sides there. Uh, I think kind of that's the the standoff where, you know, I, I think they got kind of cold feet about that maybe. Hmm. Okay. Um, so since we're talking about Clowney, um, what are your thoughts on Clowney? First, do you put any any stock into the the chances that Clowney's traded? Uh, I do put stock into those. Yes, I, I think that there is a chance. Legitimate Clowney's traded. I think right now the offers are not where the Texans want them to be to actually make that move. Hmm. Interesting. Do you think it's something that could potentially happen on draft night? Wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world. Um, you know, kind of deadlines kind of drive these sort of things. So, you know, draft night or maybe the uh, the day of the uh, tender deadline or whatever. But uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I would not be surprised if Clowney was traded. Um, I, I think the only thing really keeping them from doing that is they don't like the return. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm, I, I agree with you. I think that there are, are conversations about it. Um, and you're probably right. I think that they thought that the return would be better. Why would the market, why would the return not be good for a player like Clowney? Well, Clowney is an, he's an easy player for scouts to dislike. And by that, I mean, scouts love these guys that are kind of, you know, oozing with potential and they can do the things that Jadavian Clowney does, but he doesn't do it on, on a down to down basis. And, you know, he's got the injury history. Um, you know, I think he, his off field has been dinged a little bit. I don't really think there's a lot of credibility to that but it's one of the kind of stories that floats around. And I, I would say makes these generally reluctant NFL front offices a little bit more wary. Um, you know, if it were up to me, if I were in Brian Gaines uh, chair, uh, I, Clowney would be signed long-term as, as soon as I can make it happen. But uh, I think the Texans are happy to play the waiting game there. Uh for better or for worse. So let me ask you this, because since you do watch a lot of tape, my thought on Clowney is that if he was to play a 4-3 traditional defensive end, that he would wreck havoc. If that's what all he did, if that was the only position he played, he didn't line up at linebacker, he didn't line up outside, he just played defensive end, I think he would be, I, I think he would be the player that people expected him to be. Um, what are your thoughts on the utilization of Clowney? And if he was to play a traditional four, three defensive end, like what do you think his potential would be? I mean, his potential is already even, even at outside linebacker, I think his potential is to be a top five edge in the league. Agreed. Uh, I think what we saw last year was that the Texans for whatever reason, were very married to the idea of putting JJ Watt outside and uh, both Jadavian Clowney and Whitney Merciless were made to, 
sort of pay the price for that. Uh, Clowney actually did incredibly well inside and uh, yep. helped make up for the fact that they didn't really have much of an inside pass rush, whereas Winnie Merciless kind of got to twist in the wind. And, you know, I don't, I'm surprised that he's still on the team at this point. But, uh, but yeah, I think uh, Clowney outside for sure as a 4-3 D end uh, would have a chance to be one of the best in the game. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so when I'm thinking about um... – Oh no, I totally lost it. I'm chasing it down and I can't remember where I was going to go with this. That's not good. Uh, oh, yes, I do. I remember now. Do you think that there's a chance that the Texans... Oh, God, this is really hard to ask. And it could come across stupid. And I really don't like to be in that situation. But do you think that there's a chance that the Texans put J.J. Watt in the best position so J.J. Watt can be J.J. Watt out on the field but also off the field? So, okay. Does if, that make if sense? If I'm hearing this question right, you're asking if uh, they're valuing J.J. Watt beyond the other players, maybe? Yes. Uh, I think there might be some of that in there. I, I do think it could also be conversations that maybe J.J. has had with them. Um, my own personal suspicion, and this is something that I've talked to people about, and I've gotten, you know, some reluctant murmurs of, yeah, maybe, uh, but not really any, like, hard consensus on is I think they're worried about him getting hurt again. Uh, I think that back doesn't play quite as well inside. Mm. I think it's easy to get cheap shotted there, uh, whereas outside, you know, you spin out of play and then there's, you know, not really a whole lot more physical abuse you take. So I think they're kind of playing that game. Interesting. Okay. Because I, I had this conversation, and I, I don't know why I'm going to talk about it, because I can be labeled a certain way, but I feel like a lot of the hate from fans and Texans Twitter for Clowney comes from the fact that he's basically not J.J. Watt. And not in the sense of, like, um, sack totals. I think that does play a part. Um, but I also think off the field, um, I think J.J. has created this person, and I think it's genuinely him, um, that people have absolutely fallen in love for, with, with what he's done for the city, Hurricane Harvey, things like that. And I think Clowney is kind of painted in another image because he isn't that guy. You know what this kind of bring, reminds me of? Uh, the old Bill Simmons Ewing theory. You think that's in play? I think there's a part of it. I think there's a part of it. I also think, well, I'm not going to get into that part of it. But yeah, I, I do think that that's a part of it. Um, I, I just, I don't know when you look at what people bring up, like, it's like the dumbest things I've ever heard about Jadavian Clowney. It'll be like, well, he got us the penalty and, in goddamn Tennessee and we lost the game cause he was on the sideline talking to the guy. And it's like, okay, yeah, we didn't lose the game because of that penalty. But sure. If you really want to be mad about that, I, I totally get it. Uh, hard to really talk about Jadavian Clowney like that. Um, I, I guess, you know, I think there's a certain awareness we'll have to have about uh, the part that race plays in this. Um, I also would say I agree. that I also would say that uh, Clowney has made some big mistakes, and I, I think uh, it's very interesting how his mistakes were portrayed. So, so, so I guess I guess to put it one way, the Colts game, he jumps off sides, and the game's over, mm-hmm. and uh, he walks away from reporters in the locker room. Uh, you know, he's frustrated. He's obviously very upset. He happily talked on whatever the next media bill that it was, I think Monday. Um, J.J. Watt, after the playoff game, uh, comes to the podium, uh, a playoff loss to the Colts, uh, 
I think he has three responses and leaves. <laughs> so, I mean, and, you know, they're all terse. They're all nothing answers. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it is kind of a double standard there. Yeah. And I think that that's, in my opinion, that's what it boils down to is, is a lot of it is the fact JJ, if you watch the tape, there was a ton of times last year where he guessed wrong on run plays and old JJ used to do that and be able to make up for it. But this JJ back injury, JJ legs broken, JJ, it, it just isn't, he's not able to do what he used to do. And, and that's just going to happen. Father time is undefeated, but yet nobody's bringing up those plays for JJ but they'll bring up the Philadelphia roughing the passer and they'll bring up Tennessee and they'll bring up Indy. And it's, I, I just, I feel like there's nothing Clowney can do for Texans fans to truly understand the value he has to this team. Well, he can walk away. <laughs> that, that would make that's them the only way pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the only way. And then you're left with 31 year old JJ Watt, 31 year old Whitney merciless and no future defensive end or outside linebacker. That's going to take the torch. Wow, we're out on Duke already. Wow. Uh, well, oh, wow. Hey, well, here we go. Okay, <laughs> I like Duke. I just we need to see a lot more before we can even pass the torch that way. But uh, I mean, bringing yeah, up, I, I know I know what you mean. There's no sure thing on the roster. Yeah, there's no sure thing on the roster, and I think I do like Duke. I think I think we saw a lot from him, um, and I'm wondering how much that actually plays a part into this whole thing with Jadavian Clowney. Is do the Texans maybe truly value Echafor and and see potential in him that they say? Okay, we'll be fine with Whitney and Duke on the outside. I don't know. Maybe. What do you think? If they have, I don't think it's gone to the level where I would hear about it. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Duke's a, Duke's a fine lay-around prospect. Um, there are plenty of guys you could have drafted in those spots where I would be really unhappy that they were on the team in comparison to, to, uh, to Duke. But uh, replacing Clowney, that is... Uh, that's a tall order. It's a tall order. <laughs> it's an extremely tall order. And, and John and I talk about this a lot. And it, it's very frustrating because it, it's like one of those moments where if we do trade him, you're exactly right. Texans fans will realize what Jadavian Clowney was. And and we're going to feel what – like we're just going to feel the impact of when he leaves. And, and unfortunately – for Jadavian, I feel like it's best if he does leave and gets a fresh start and is able to show a franchise what he's really worth. And I hate to say that as a fan because you want the best players on your roster and you want Im- you want impact guys, but I can I, I just can't imagine I mean, I'm sure he puts no thought into it, as most sports players, you know, most most athletes don't, but it's just I've never seen a cl- uh, a player destroyed the way that Jadavian Clowney is on a consistent basis. And at this point, it's like, it's, it's just, it's so irritating. Um, we went down a total Clowney tangent, but I'm glad we did because I love talking about him. <laughs> All right. Um, Rivers, Kiki QT. Um, me and John love him. I think you love him. Um, what does Kiki bring to this offense? What What is a fully healthy Kiki how does he open up this offense and really make it click? Because I think he's the missing piece to this offense. I think he's what we've needed for quite some time. Um, but I wanted them to hear from you on kind of what your thoughts are on Kiki and what why he is so important to this offense. Okay. Well, um, I, I would say that I believe Kiki Cutie has Pro Bowl potential for sure. Um, I think this is a player who is – fast enough to threaten either outside or inside uh, the seam. I think that uh, 
him and Deshaun had some learning moments last year where, you know, they just weren't on the same page. And, you know, even despite that, you could see the obvious talent in getting open, the separation. Um, I think he makes it a lot easier to move the chains when he's on the field. Just to, just to somebody who, you know, when Deshaun has to check off of Fuller or something and comes down to his next target and it's Cutie and his guy is, you know, six, six yards away from him. That's usually going to be the first down in my book. Um, I would also say that Jordan Akins kind of does some of these things too. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm not out on Jordan Akins by any stretch either. So I think one of the few reasons for optimism you would have if you're a Texans fan is, is I think that they have two guys who were wildly underused last year, uh, be it due to injuries or you know uh, contributing circumstances like blocking, where I think that they can both withstand a much bigger target role and also deliver uh, a lot of value in those roles yeah i think uh, to to touch on akins i i think akins just on some of the big plays that he had last year i think that's literally just scratching uh barely scratching the potential that he brings to this offense um i think jordan akins could easily be the future tight end i know there's a lot of love for jordan thomas right now because of the touchdowns and things like that which they definitely matter but um when i look at jordan akins and what he's capable of doing and um, the athletic prowess that he brings to the position, I think Jordan Akins is is something that Texans fans are going to want to pay attention to this year if we can keep Deshaun Watson upright. We'll get to that when we get to the draft. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Kiki QT, I think, is exa- – I mean, I don't really have anything else to add. I think he's exactly what this offense needs uh, when you talk about underneath routes, and, and he is fast enough to be able to be on the outside. He gives a security blanket to Deshaun, which – is needed. You can't throw to hop um, 42 times a game, even though you'd like to. Um, and even with Will Fuller out, you saw Kiki operate in the slot. And he, I mean, he was open more times than he was thrown to. Um, so cool. I appreciate that. All right. Let's talk about the draft. Cause this is, we, uh, we didn't really get into it on Twitter. We on the, in the DMS, we, we were, I, I mentioned to you that I didn't think that they would go for an offensive tackle. Um, and then we left it at that. What are your thoughts on the process for the draft for the Texans, and where do you where do you see that? What do you see them doing in the first two rounds? In any particular order, any particular best order, best available left tackle, best available cornerback. That easy, uh, and, that, and that's about it. <laughs> okay, I mean, the, I, I agree that there. You know, some people have been making the deal that you know now that they've signed Mac Khalil. They can kind of, uh, you know, push left tackle off a little bit. They open their options a little bit more on the offensive line. I get it, but it's a stretch to me. And I think that when you're in a position to draft a left tackle for for franchise stability, you pretty much have to do it if you think there's a guy out there who fits that. I don't know if that guy is out there for them, but there are so many uh, tackles that kind of fit that uh, – you know, long-term left tackle mold that I would be surprised if they didn't stumble into somebody that they liked at that spot. Okay. Who do you like at that spot? Who, or who, yeah. Yeah. Who do you like at that spot? Is it Jonah Williams? Is it Dillard? Is it, is it Cody Ford? Is it Dalton Reisner? I mean, who do you see the Texans drafting in the first round? Well, those are two very different answers. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. Who do you um, want them to draft in the first round? I, I would be most comfortable. And I, I say this, I haven't really 
you know, my plan was to write about these guys as we got a little closer to the draft. So I haven't really done a whole lot of tape stuff, but this is just, you know, my eyes, what I've seen in the combine, that sort of thing. Um, I would go for Andre Dillard right now. I think he's the safest bet. He's got the best short shuttle. Uh, I think he's a long-term left tackle. I think he's got a ton of experience protecting Gardner Minshew in an air raid attack. And that's something that uh, the Texans pretty sorely need. I don't think he's going to be a premium run blocker right away, but I think he solves a lot more on in the passing game than uh, the Texans will be able to find elsewhere. Hmm. Okay. So do you think, uh, so here's my thought. <coughs> Excuse me. I think that they go BPA throughout the entire draft. Um, I think in the first round, if there's a corner or a tackle that's on their board, I think they'll take them. But I think if there's not one, I don't think they'll reach either. They'll trade out or I think they'll take the best player available, whether it be a safety, um, a defensive lineman, an interior guy, or an edge guy. Um, I, I, I think cornerback is more important right now than, than tackle, um, but I, I think I have a little bit more faith in Davenport. Um, but there's nothing that makes me – there's still nothing that I've seen from the Texans or Davenport that makes me think he's going to be a franchise left tackle. Um, but I think you can get by with him. Um, but I do think that the moves of free agency have pretty much shown that or are telling us in a sense, and this is just my, what I've seen and what I think, but, um, I think that they just go BPA. I I think that's what they want to do. And I think that's why the Matt Khalil's, um, uh, the Tashawn Gibson's things like that were signed is because they've shown and talked about how they pretty much just want to build through the draft. And I don't see them reaching on need. So, okay. BPA-wise, I would agree that the moves were aimed at making that a possibility. I don't necessarily agree that they make those moves and then, you know, that's the plan. And to be honest, with the way the draft is shaking out, I'm not sure that the the BPA won't be cornerback or tackle there anyway. Right. But, uh yeah, I definitely don't think bringing in Matt Khalil, bringing in Bradley Roby disqualifies pretty much anything from the board. It's it's positions where they needed a short-term boost either way. So, you know, one-year deal, you take a chance, you hope it works out. Yeah, okay. Interesting. All right. John, I want to hear about Jack Easterby. Tell me about the new vice president of teen development, South Carolina alum, John. South <laughs> Carolina alum, stand up. He's not an alum, but uh, well, he, he, uh, he was there. Yeah, he went to a small college called Newberry um, in South Carolina. Uh, he was the team pastor at, shoot. Well, okay. he's, yeah, it's one of those guys that he's pretty much just, he's a, they call him a character develop. He's a character development guy. He's a guy that the team can kind of go to and just kind of talk to and, and kind of, you know, just when you're going through a, a tough time um, to have somebody like that. And I mean, naturally the Patriots liked him. They brought him on. So he's got that, that little bit of Patriots dust on him. So you mean that means the Texans have to go and grab him. Um, of I mean, I like it, but it's one of those things that really doesn't have an impact. Like, what's it going to, I mean, what's it going to do? It may help our players with that mental health and any little edge 
helps, but it's not really somebody that's worth speaking a whole bunch about because it's not nothing that we're really tangibly going to see. Here's what I think. I think when yeah. we win and instead of Bill O'Brien doing the game ball and then saying, I'll see you Wednesday, I think it's Easter Bay by coming in after he gives the game ball and says, we're all going to Chuck E. Cheese. I think he's like a team culture guy. Like, I'm taking you guys unlimited pizza. Um, you guys can have soda today, and we're going to go celebrate this win as a team and, and bond. That's what I think. Nothing that we on the outside are going to see will will change our opinion one way or the other. <laughs> so it, it's really, uh, for, from the from the public-facing football uh, discussion standpoint, it's a non-factor to me. Yeah, It's something that you talk about on talk radio for a day where everybody gets their jokes off and uh, kind of imitates, you know, whatever they want out of the team to be that they think that Bill O'Brien isn't, and they move on with their lives. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, fair. I agree. I just I, I just saw it, and I thought it was funny. Um, All right, real quick, Bill O'Brien, Rivers, before we get you out of here, I got, I, wanted to, I got a Bill O'Brien question, and then I got a non-football question. Is this the last year of Bill O'Brien? What are the Texans finishing record wise? Eight and eight. No. Wow. I don't think that will be enough. Really? I think you would need to see something closer to six and ten if you wanted him out this year. I don't necessarily want him out, Rivers. I, I like Bill O'Brien, but I don't know. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm wondering how much Rick Smith was uh, was a uh, hurt what he wanted to do. How, you know, how like did were they really not aligned? Did Rick Smith draft what he wanted to draft, and Bill O'Brien barely had any say? And now him and Brian Gain are, are super aligned, and he's getting the players that fit his offense and what he wants to do as a team. I want to say that the latter is actually what's happening. Um, but I just don't know yet, and I, I love Bill O'Brien. I, I think he has the potential to be a really freaking good coach. I just don't know if we're going to see it here. And, I mean, that's a fair point. You know, um, sometimes it takes uh, a break from things to get more perspective than you have right now, and I think Bill O'Brien has a lot of good tangible qualities as a head coach. He just has some big lacking problem areas that he doesn't ever really address. And, you know, maybe it takes a firing for him to really get that through his mind and, and work on areas that he hasn't really thought about that much. It's very easy when you're a head coach, I know, based on, you know, how much they pump up their crazy schedules and, you know, sleeping on the sleeping in the office or whatever to uh, kind of come into a reactionary mode where you don't really have a mindset where you can change anything. And that may be what's going on with O'Brien right now. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to wonder. So me and John last season were talking about coming into the season, how the uh, the what was it, John, as far as coaches that where were they ranked on the amount of assistant coaches they had on the team? They were like 29th in the NFL. Yeah, we were tied with the Patriots for last. Right. And then this year, I think we added five new coaches on top of that. Right, John? Um, when I counted, which was, it's out of date now, we were at net positive three additional coaches compared to last year. And that was before Andre. Yeah, that was before Andre. So, four. so that would put us 
middle of the pack. So it's a huge step up from where we were. We're still not in the same range that like the Eagles and the Rams are, but we're, we're getting closer. Um, yeah. Do you put any stock into that rivers? Do I put any stock into the idea that the Texans don't have enough coaches? Well, that the, yeah, pretty much. Like, do you, do you put any stock into the fact that, uh, operating a team with minimal amount of coaches on the staff compared to uh, a team with maximum amount of coaches on the staff uh, that basically the team with more coaches can make a bigger impact on the players and um, things like penalties and, um, and getting the game plan installed and a full understanding of what they're trying to do would happen faster and better than somebody who has a minimal coaching staff. And do you think that that could play a part in this year at all? That's a very deep question. Okay. I would say that I think it's it's a case by case basis. Okay. I think that uh, if you have a head coach who can handle a large load a la Bill Belichick, that it changes a lot of the way you want to run your culture. It makes it a lot easier to have a consistent message. Whereas uh, I think if you're looking, you know, more on the marginal side of improvements, if you uh, if you want the culture to become more than the head coach, if you want the culture to be an organizational thing, if you want it to be a general manager thing, then I think you tend more towards more coaches. Huh. Okay. Uh, in this specific case, I think what we've seen the last couple of years is that Bill O'Brien is overwhelmed. Uh, he doesn't want to admit it, but uh, you know, the things like coaching uh, in game with the timeouts and, I guess I guess what was the what's the best example of this? Uh, the what did they see after the game? He, he did the play, he did the playoff loss. Uh, they took six minutes to drive down the field and get their touchdown because uh, you know DeAndre Hopkins was was going to get doubled and they wanted to free him up or something. <laughs> yeah. Get get some coaches that can actually you know move you down the field. And I think if that's you know part of the mental fatigue, part of the load that he's taking on is too much, then. Yeah, it is a negative effect on the Texans. Hmm. Okay. All right, Rivers. That was a uh, that was very that was very very good. I I really appreciate you joining us. Um, I want to ask you this: Are you going to see Avengers Endgame? Okay, you're going to be disappointed in me. Oh um, man, yep. I have not watched um, a single Avengers movie. Like I have not watched a single. Marvel movie probably since the first couple of Spider-Man people came out. Is it because you're just... a DC guy or? <laughs> no, it's because I almost never go to the, the movies, period. I think the last movie I saw was uh, Rogue One. And I mean, you know, that was like two years ago at this point, I think. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you don't even watch movies at home? Not often, no. I mean, there are there are old movies that I really enjoy. that Like Casablanca kind of or? No, like uh, <laughs> like UHF, like okay. Office Space. Okay, like, like I, I get, I, I'm more into comedy, and you know, me and my wife watch a lot of stand-up comics rather than go out to uh, a movie where we're more com- comedic focused people. Okay, so who's your favorite stand-up comic? Mm. Probably uh, John Mulaney at this point. Okay, okay, I haven't checked him out, but I will. I'm a big Chappelle guy. Chappelle, Chappelle's show is amazing. You don't like his stand-up? I think that Chappelle post whatever happened to end that show that I think none of us really know about 
has kind of declined as a comic. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Well, cool. Well, I didn't expect the not going to see Avengers Endgame, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Definitely caught it's, me off guard. You're not. A, you're, you're probably one of. I don't know. I think pre-sale tickets sold out in six hours today for the first time in the history of movies or something like that. So. Well, listen, if you guys want to talk uh, old video games, I am here for that. If you guys want to talk new movies, I am out on that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, uh, when I can, as I continue on my link journey, I will be sure to hit you up about that. Um, Rivers, I really appreciate it. Um, what can we expect from RiversMcCown.com coming up? You said that you were going to start doing some draft stuff. Um, is there anything else that we could look forward to Texans-wise? Right now, for the near future, I'm kind of sewn up um, working on Athlon Magazine stuff. Okay. Um, I'm going to be part of their NFL issue as well as their fantasy football issue. And that's kind of my big project short term. Um, I, I think I'll be lucky to get to the draft stuff, to be honest. Uh, I'm hoping I get some of it out before the draft actually happens. But if not, I definitely want to react to the picks and kind of go from there. Fantastic. Okay, good. Well, you guys can follow Rivers McCown on Twitter, at Rivers McCown. Um, what is it? It's Rat Rivers McCown. That's it, right? Yep, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Um, NCCOWN, just like Josh. Yep, Josh McCown. Is that your favorite quarterback in the league? No, it's not. But it was <laughs> it was awesome growing up because you know everybody had always always misspelled McCown. They'd give it an E or they'd put a what is it, an A in it or they put a G in it, and it was it was really yeah they'd be McGown. Wow. And I was like, "What are you? What, what, why are you people so bad at this?" And then finally, Josh McCowan made the NFL, uh, and my name was in Madden and pronounced properly, and I was a fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my name was in Madden, and I am proud of that. That's great. Okay. Well, Rivers, thank you for joining. We look forward to having you on later on after the draft to hear your thoughts. You were very enlightening. I'm sure all of our all the Texans fans listening are a lot more educated now on the things that we talked about so thank you and uh i really uh i hope you have a great rest of your year and we'll talk to you soon i'm sure yep kudos guys all right thanks, thanks rivers all right guys that was rivers mccown and um you guys can check us out uh, anywhere that podcast platforms can be found um and go to our patron page at patreon.com backslash texans unfiltered and with that i am young ari gold and i am out <laughs>